0: Welcome to Hospitality Meets, with me Phil Street, where we take a light-hearted look into the stories and individuals that make up the wonderful world of hospitality. Today's guest is the amazing Louise Gallant, Talent Director at Rising Tech Superstars Harry UK. Coming up on today's show... Louise reveals an innovative solution to dealing with last orders.
1: And then those people that just, you know, were too drunk to leave or whatever, he'd, he'd set the goat on them.
0: Phil tells us the extent of his travels in 2020... I travel to my um, my kitchen fridge frequently throughout the day. And Louise surprises and intrigues us all with this. I didn't realise how, how many encounters with guns I'd had. All that and so much more as Louise talks us through her story and journey to date. In addition, don't forget to get yourselves behind Hospitality Aid 2020, a Live Aid-style virtual concert packed with performing talent from the hospitality industry and raising valuable funds for hospitality action. Get that calendar marked, August 31st, 4pm, British Summertime. Head over to experience101.co.uk for more information. Don't forget to give us a like and a share so we can share those stories. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the next edition of Hospitality Meets with me, your host, Phil Street. Today I welcome someone to the show whom I've known for a couple of years now. Uh, we actually share quite a lot in common in career terms despite the fact that we've not known each other that long, and I'm sure we'll explore that a little bit as we chat. But welcome to the show, Louise Gallant.
1: Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.
0: You're very welcome. How are you doing?
1: I'm really good, thank you.
0: Yeah. Great. Well, perhaps you can just tell us what it is that you, you're currently doing.
1: So, I I work for Harry, and Harry's a kind of tech platform in the hospitality industry mainly, and what we do is we, we provide tech for recruiting people, for managing schedules, for running payroll, uh, and also kind of developing people as well. So I've worked for Harry since November last year, yep. and it's the first tech company that I have worked for.
0: <laughs> I actually read they're a futuristic talent software business. We are. We're very futuristic. Yeah, like that.
1: Yeah and actually we've we've uh, we've developed some really cool tools recently and it's mainly in app kind of you know fashion and and our our recruitment software is a bit like tinder so you swipe left <laughs> right <laughs> that's where the that's where the idea came from so it's it's really cool tech and and I do love working you know working with them currently during this period of time I'm fortunate enough to still be Working. We have had to, unfortunately, furlough a lot of our team because we we, we have a client base of, of hospitality operators who can't pay us, which is, you know, just, just the, the situation at the moment. So yep. I'm wearing many hats. I look after the HR side of things and have learned a lot over the last couple of months. I'll bet. Uh, yeah. I'm also doing a bit of PR, doing some marketing and 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 some you know getting involved in in the the development and launch of of some of our new products which has been really exciting so so i'm enjoying it it's it's been a it's been an interesting journey so far we um we launched something called hospitality unite when when just just before lockdown actually when we we were coming to the slow realization that the doors of of pubs, bars, and restaurants were closing, yeah, and people were, you know, losing their jobs just before the the furlough was announced. And we kind of, you know, we kind of thought, there's people losing their jobs here, there's there's sectors over, you know, on a, on a in a different area that are crying out for people. So, I think within three days flat, we created this uh, jobs portal, all non profit, and we called it Hospitality Unite. and And the idea of it was to Help our clients who were losing their people and worried that they weren't going to come back to them, and get them short-term jobs in care, in farming, in retail. Um, we have yeah. prison deliveries, and and it's been we've had like hundreds of thousands of of candidates pass through the system. So it's it's been a real success over the last couple of months, and a real kind of pleasure to 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 be a part of. So we've yeah we 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 did that. We've we've launched some kind of um free mental well-being tools as well, which which I think we've had about 15,000 people use. Wow. Um, yeah. So so we we've been doing some really some really great stuff and, and the, the team that that you know are the core team left have, have really pulled together. Uh, so we're all doing all sorts of different things which which uh which is interesting.
0: Yeah I mean I have to admit from the outside looking in the way you guys reacted to the situation and kind of came up with these solutions to real genuine problems, I I, I just had was amazed at how quickly you were able to put that together. Phenomenal! I
1: was amazed. <laughs> <laughs> we got some talented people in the business. We got we got a chap called Zach who can literally make anything happen at the drop of a hat. You know anything right. practical? He's he's a he's an absolute guru. When it comes to tech, uh, and and he made it all happen, but you know we, we we all pulled in and did our bit and reached out to the care industry and the retailers and and everything else. So it was it was really well received. Yeah. Um, and what it has done is it's actually opened up some different sectors for us. So some of the some of the care guys are, are interested in in using our tech for their recruitment, which is which is also good news.
0: That's great. Hmm. Yeah great okay well I definitely don't want to um to dwell on the COVID-19 situation because there's plenty of content out there on that yeah so let's just go all the way back to the beginning how did you end up getting involved in hospitality and just talk us through your career so far
1: okay so I didn't have a choice really um okay (laughs) (laughs) I was pretty much born in a pub (laughs) (laughs) I, I remember. Um, I remember. My, my parents were were publicans, were proper traditional publicans, and and their my my mum's parents were too, and my aunties and and all sorts. So it, it's kind of been a family thing, and you know there are advantages and disadvantages of of uh, of growing up in pubs. What I didn't used to like was walking through, walking having to to get my dinner from the the kitchen, the pub kitchen, and walk through the pub to you know, it to to the the flat that we lived in uh and people would pick chips off off your plate and stuff you know so that that I didn't enjoy that.
0: That's Um, sacrilege.
1: I know it was horrid. But um you get used to it I guess and we we had a goat we had a goat in the garden called Alice. Um so Of course you did (laughs) as you do. And my dad's my dad used to use her she's quite a big goat, she had big horns. And um, my dad used to use her to clear out the pub at the end of the night. If there's there's any stragglers, you know, they'd, they'd have the bell to to call time, and then those people that just, you know, were too drunk to leave or whatever, he'd he'd set the goat on them, and it worked. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> so I guess the yeah, we my my parents had pubs all, all over the, the south of England, mainly in London but also down near the coast and my dad was a lifeboat man and and into into sailing and boats and and that kind of thing so we were always we were always off sailing to France in in the school holidays but yeah so 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 the the hospitality industry is 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 very much in my dna and I'll say another quick quick funny story my dad for some reason used to store the empty bottles from the optics in our playroom in a box Um, (laughs) I do remember about four years old my brother's about 18 months younger than me four years old you know picking up these massive bottles uh taking off the lids and pouring the the, whatever spirit is is left at the bottom into the lid you know like mini it was like it I I thought I was having a mini tea party one for my brother (laughs) one for me (laughs) (laughs) until my mom walked in our playroom one day and we were we were both absolutely sussed at about four years old so well
0: now that uh, I know that that explains your your <laughs> love for a good time
1: <laughs> it definitely does so uh, anyway moving on so my my career kind of went on from there and my, my dad was adamant that I did A-levels and and went to university and whatnot so I had lots of different hospitality jobs, kind of growing up. And and whilst I was at college, and I was a waitress, and uh, what else did I do? I think between college, I went to America and flip burgers and on a on a theme park in Ohio. Wow! Which yeah, which was really good. I thought how how different can it be to to go and live in. America for a few months and how wrong I was it was <laughs> I was like a, a monkey in a cage but it was a great experience
0: so there's another thing that we've got in common cuz I I did a um a student exchange at the age of 19 to a, a little town in New Jersey right for the summer yeah. and worked in a restaurant and motel there and it was Totally outside of my comfort zone. I was a, yeah. a, a young lad from an island in Scotland at that point, and that transformed my my life. Yeah. I think really that experience.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think it did me as well, actually, because I um I worked for a, a, however long, six weeks or whatever, on this on this theme park, which was one of America's you know finest theme parks, and uh in in, in a random little village called Sandusky in Ohio. And and I saved my money and then and then backpacked around America and, and and that feeling of freedom and seeing all of these different states in in you know and backpacking was just loved it. I thought this is the yeah. adventure I need in my life. So um so I went back You
0: know what I remember from that experience gone being nineteen years old and being an underage drinker again.
1: Well I was 21 actually when I Were oh, you? Yeah. yeah. So so I was just in the right age group but a lot of the people that I used to hang around with were younger than me and of course if the police got involved it would be it would be the 21 year old that would get the blame so um Yeah. <laughs> so yeah anyway moving on. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's two two stories so far revolving around drink. I'm sure We're doing well. Many more. <laughs> we haven't even got to ships yet.
1: Oh no, God, help us! So, uh, so I, I came back after that, and and I was supposed to, I was supposed to complete a degree, and I got to HND, uh, and I got my HND, and I was going to do another year and do a degree, but I, I just, I'd, I'd gone to America and just had this thirst for for the world and and really wanted to travel so i i kind of thought about how i could do that and get paid and yeah landed on a landed on a cruise ship and it actually took it actually took quite a while because in those days obviously <laughs> we didn't have uh mobile phones or or internet so yeah i was writing to all these random cruise ship companies didn't know a thing about crew you know about cruise ships and and anything and not really getting anything back. So it took months and months and months and months. And then I think a friend said P&O are, uh, are recruiting on princess ships down in Southampton. So I was down there like a shot um, and it was yep. Wednesday, I think. And Jan Kales was the was the recruitment manager. And um, it was a Wednesday and she called me on the Thursday the day after, and she said, We'd like to offer you the job. We got a ship for you on Sunday in Alaska. And I was coming. To- oh, wow. Yeah, I was coming towards the end of my HND. I'd just finished my exams, luckily. And, and I thought, Right. And, and I, I needed to figure out how I was going to tell my dad that I wasn't going to complete a degree. And I just went. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> it was me. I didn't even know where Alaska was. So I, I got on this, uh, I got on the aeroplane. It was a virgin a virgin flight and I, I'm usually late for stuff Pete I'm, I'm kind of I I'm quite famous for being late um I was um We were on time for this uh, yeah, today I was <laughs> when it comes to business I'm not I'm not too bad but uh yeah. <laughs> in normal life I, I I do have a problem with with time so but that's another story yeah so I was quite late and you know again I'd been out Saying goodbye to all my friends the night before, and and had a late night, and and ended up, you know, running to the the desk. I was the last one on the plane, and the only seat they had left was it was in business class, which you know I didn't complain about. So I got on the on the plane, Tough. and um, sat next to the coach and psychologist of Pete Sampras, the the tennis player. And he said he said, "Where, where are you going?" And I said, "I said I'm I'm, I'm en route to Alaska." And he, he said, "Wow." <laughs> That's fantastic. I mean, we were stopping in yeah. Seattle on the way. And, and, and I said, could you tell me where Alaska is? Because I, I don't have a clue. And I, I, think, I think he was completely and utterly taken aback and quite charmed by me.
0: Well, you couldn't just Google it back then anyway, could you? No. <laughs> you actually had to have done some research. I
1: know. And I didn't, in true Louise fashion. <laughs> okay, let's just go for it head first, take the little suitcase and off I go. And I thought it was in, Antar- in the, you know, Antarctica or something, right? But he corrected me and told me it was in the USA, which uh, I was really surprised about. And and bless him, we got off in Seattle, and he made sure I got got my connecting flight and everything, and ended up at the end of quite a long journey in a place. I think it was, I think it was Skagway or some some place northern Alaska, and the last leg of my journey was. Was this tiny little Cessna aeroplane, and we just circled this cruise ship. You know, surrounded by all of these Alaskan snowed mountains. You'll know this if you've if you've done Alaskan cruises.
0: I actually haven't. It's one of the the areas, and I'm absolutely now gasping to go and do an Alaskan cruise as a as a punter. And you
1: should. You really should. It's incredible. Yeah. But I mean, for for. A not knowing where Alaska was, never been on. Oh no, I had been on a Cessna, a little aeroplane before because I'd I'd flown over the Grand Canyon when I when I travelled America the year before. But to circle this cruise ship, I've never seen a cruise ship in my life, and it was just it was I can't explain it really. It was it was quite incredible. The actual experience on board was <laughs> was mixed. It was I missed home. It was was quite they were they were quite harsh with me on board right you know there, there was a real kind of traditional kind of dictatorship leadership type thing and and that and and that was hard to to kind of get used to but once I'd found my feet and you know we were all excuse the pun in the same boat uh hey. <laughs> so, yeah I made friends that I'm still friends with now you know and 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 best friends yeah. with now but, that. That I see, that I see regularly, and and it was it was quite inc- incredible. And uh, I was I, I joined the bars, so I was a bartender. Then I went into then I went into the restaurant and became a, a bit of a kind of sommelier. And then I finished my contract, did half in Alaska and half in in the Caribbean. Met an Italian guy who ended up flying back to England and 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 wanted to go you know wanted to travel the world with me so we ended up moving to Vancouver because I'd fall in love with Vancouver because we it used to be our home port in in Alaska and then
0: of course yeah we
1: we lived in Vancouver for a year which was bizarre but amazing again you know it was it was just this whole sense of adventure I just I just really loved I didn't up with him (laughs) he uh, he ended up staying in Vancouver and I joined another ship that that went off went off around the Caribbean and the world and whatnot and 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 eventually kind of got promoted to assistant bartender and then bartender and then managed you know bars on ships towards the end of my career but I I, uh, ship career so i altogether all together was was on ships for about five years
0: yep what was the um the most outrageous thing that you could repeat that happened to you on ships,
1: oh my goodness, oh my
0: goodness
1: <laughs> so that
0: <laughs> I only say this because um yeah. having worked on ships myself, I can't it's you know. it's just part of life right yeah
1: yeah it was it was it was a bizarre life, it's not real mm-hmm. life right it, it, yeah. it yeah uh it, it it's incredible you know you you make some fantastic friends but it's such funny stuff that happens it's not real life at all yeah. I remember I remember going to I remember going to a nightclub in Panama City I I kind of I was a bit bolshy in those days and didn't like to pay <laughs> to get <laughs> the and there was quite a big group of us about 30 of us and we had an overnight in Panama we'd been through the Panama Canal and um, yeah and, and there was these bouncers with guns you know, and stern faces at the, in this night. We'd all finished work really late and we were like, right, let's go clubbing. And I said, right, how much is it to get in? I, I think he said $20 each or something. And I said, we are not paying $20 coming to come into your nightclub. And, you know, and he had these guns and, and half of the group got really scared and, and kind of went back to the ship. And and I stood my ground. I said, "We're not paying twenty twenty dollars to get into the nightclub." And in the end, he said, "Okay, I'll I'll drop it to ten dollars or something." But it turned out that actually the the girls went free anyway and had free drinks all night. <laughs> uh-huh.
0: So you got done. All
1: of that was in vain, really. But I think the we we were we were when I was with PO cruises we we did we went to the pyramids in cairo and and we did the the whole tourist thing and and had drunk champagne on the side of a side of a pyramid, but on the way back we were stopped at gunpoint and that that was probably one of the most scariest moments of my life yeah um, and it's weird being you know we the, we had a A a minibus, and there were the Steiners, which were the kind of beauticians and the hairdressers, and then and then us, the bartenders, in this in this kind of smallish bus type thing. And they pulled the driver out, who didn't speak a word of English anyway. We were at this checkpoint, and then they put guns. I I didn't realise how how many encounters with guns I'd had
0: Yeah, (laughs) and let's be clear, this is not biceps. this is actual, actual guns yeah yeah
1: yeah they put they, they put the guns through the through the windows you know pointing at us and those were in the days where and it still happens now I guess where you know it hadn't I don't think it had been long that that they'd uh, shot down a load of tourists in Luxor
0: right it
1: was quite scary but all I could do was laugh it was like a, a nervous laughter and I'd, I'd the, the, the Steiners the, the beauticians were were screaming and crying and all I was doing was laughing and I I just couldn't help it. Uh just this this kind of real nervous laughter came out and in the end they 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 brought the driver back and um, this this big guy came in a, a long coat and he said he, he said you come with convoy because we came with a convoy of, of passengers but in Cairo I don't know whether you've ever driven in Cairo but it's it's nuts. <laughs> Yeah, we'd lost these these coaches of passengers. He said, "You come with convoy. You you come back on your own, kind of thing." And they were obviously concerned about that, so thought about shooting us. But
0: <laughs> that- goodness gracious me! Yeah, I, I I did the uh the pyramids. I actually did the pyramids twice. That's um, sounds really arrogant, doesn't it? <laughs> and uh, both times, I remember the the armed guard being with us uh, as we went.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, it was, it, that, that was quite scary. Um, one of the funny things we used to do, I don't know whether you used to do it, we, we used to put new starters on initiation. Of course. <laughs> and there was a couple of, it's its so cruel thinking about it nowadays. So so they were, yeah. when we were in Alaska, we said, you, we gave them a sou'wester and a bell and we put them on the front of the ship and, and you know, it was like, five in the morning and we said you know the officers want to know when when a whale comes because there used to be lots of whales so every time you see a whale you've got to ring the bell and we got we got someone to video it.
0: <laughs> Superb. I was just going to say I've got, got a couple of initiations that um, that we used to do and I was on the receiving end uh, of one but obviously when you when you've when you're the new guy and you take that on, of course that then just goes into your repertoire for for future newbies yeah but i got um I got somebody put under my door as if it was just like the the daily newspaper that that would come around the watch shifts for the week ahead, yeah, so saying that every every officer I was a junior officer when i when I joined has to do has to take their shift, and I'd been put on three till seven in the morning. <laughs> So I made made my way to the bridge on the on this day. Uh, this was very early on in my my contract at three o'clock in the morning, and <laughs> thankfully it was a well orchestrated initiation because they they were all over it. It wasn't a case of me arriving and them going, "Okay, what are you here for? What, who are you?" They they were everybody was in on it, and um, I ended up um, they put me in the captain's chair. And basically, I just had to sit there for ten minutes before somebody said, "Okay, we're pulling your leg. This is not a real thing." Um, so it was that one, and then the other one.
1: I bet you felt really stupid.
0: Totally. I, I think when you're on the end of that end end of these things, you just feel like you're you. Know, you've, well, you've been conned, right? So you mm-hmm. feel like you're you're gullible and and all these things. But they're also learning experiences. That's what I tell Absolutely. myself Absolutely. as I'm trying myself to sleep at night. <laughs> Um, the um the other one was electric bill did you ever um come across that one
1: i don't think so
0: Uh, we got we got an it manager an absolute cracker once upon a time where we same sort of principle we drew up an itemized electric bill Mm. for his cabin and stuck it under his his door and then the next time we were all in the um in the officer's mess at officer's wardroom. He would say, "Did any anybody else get a, an electric bill?" And we'd all be, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah." How how much was yours? And uh, you know, eighty seven pounds thirty or something like that. And he said, "Nobody told me about this one." <laughs> and it was just these moments where you think, "Excellent, let's come full circle now."
1: Brilliant. But there we are. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think there there were were probably lots and lots. And I remember giving getting people up ridiculously early, like three four in the morning, and sending them to to the galley to collect carrots to give to the mules that pulled us through the Panama Canal. <laughs> that was always a good one.
0: <laughs> uh, so many.
1: I, I, I know, and then and do you know what? So many stories over the course of five years on on. Yep. I think the worst thing that happened to me and 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 I probably I I can't talk too much about this but and it was very traumatic it was I was thrown off a ship in really yeah in India in Mumbai and that was super traumatic I was about 25 years old and and had to make my own way home right um from from Mumbai and and the captain it was the captain's decision to to throw me off right and it was horrid because it we were we were on tender tender port and and it was so I just remember it being so smoggy by the time the little you know tender boat got to the shore you couldn't the, the ship was uh, disappeared in the smog wow and then I had to and then I had to get myself home they did they they, they paid for me to go home but quite traumatic for a 25 year old to be disembarked and, and and sent home for sure. Yeah. But I mean, we we uh in, in my in the the company I used to run rec- recruitment company, we we used to uh, P and O had decided to put HR managers on each ship. And we got involved in that project, funnily enough, and I thought, yeah, they, they need to. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Well, it's when you've got uh, that many people living on top of each other for such prolonged periods of time in a quite you know high intensity job. Yeah. Uh, long hours, yeah. you know, no full days off. Yeah. You know, it, it is a license for for people problems.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and sixteen days at sea, you know, it, it sent you
0: yep. to the valley. Yeah.
1: But anyway, that's all we'll say on that.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's fair enough. Let's move on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then when I finished my career, because I did go back, I did you know, that that wasn't me over for good. It was they, they bought me they sent me straight back onto another ship in the Caribbean, which I didn't complain about. And then eventually I got I kind of got we call called it the five year itch, and you kind of have to make a decision. If if you carry on your career in on, on ships, it, it, it it's gonna be quite an unsettling career and lifestyle and, and that suits some people and I, I still have yep. on, on ships now or do I come home and you know find my feet and and build a career at home and I think I was about 28 at the time by then 27 28 and so I decided to come home got myself a job in London my mum had a pub in Fleet in Hampshire at the time with Alice in the garden the goat <laughs> And I moved. I ended up moving to London and got myself a job as a conference and banqueting guest relations manager for a five star hotel in Kensington, and and I absolutely loved it. But ended up kind of realizing that my friends were. We're not working weekends, and uh, I I seem to be working every hour God sent. And and as much as I loved that job, I was doing kind of conferencing and banqueting. They made me the Christmas coordinator. I loved it, absolutely loved it. But a friend of mine said you'd be great in recruitment, uh, and I have a I I run a recruitment agency in in um, Wimbledon, which is was just down the road from where I was living. And so I thought, okay, I, I have my weekends off. Let's let's do that. And that was me for 20 years later. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> a, a
1: career in recruitment. So my recruitment career kind of started with Blue Arrow. We then set up a manpower branch in Putney. And that was tremendous fun. And uh, then I managed a branch in Hammersmith. And that was great too. Then I went on to projects. I was doing all sorts of stuff. I was kind of building call centers in in recruiting. You know, we had outsourced call centers in Scotland. Um, and my last job, oh, I, I managed a contract with Lockheed Martin. So I did all sorts of things, moved down to the South Coast and bought a little place and worked for Lockheed Martin. And my last job was with the managed services, managing a team across Europe, recruiting multilingual call center staff into IBM, which was up in Scotland in Greenock, and also Xerox, which was in Dublin, and so that was that was pretty cool. And managed a team across Europe. We used to have our team meetings in Brussels, and that came with its challenges, and was was a real was a real learning phase for me. Well, everything's been a learning phase, but that in particular about managing a team remotely that that was an interesting period of time. Yeah, and. Um, you know, emotional Scandinavians, no offence to Scandinavians whatsoever, but she was she was a difficult one, but (laughs) (laughs) all these things are are said to to try us and challenge us and and learn from, aren't they? Absolutely. So uh so yeah so five years with manpower and then I went in-house with Yale so I was actually headhunted, given a brand new car and told to travel around the, the South and London, recruiting sales staff for yellow pages, and yes. that was they even still exist?: Well, they're, they're kind of Yale.com now, and I worked for them for five years, and you know started as a recruiter and worked my way up through to managing the, the sales resourcing team across the UK. And then you know but yale.com was was kind of a thing. But I think our CEO, bless him, he didn't really get tech and it was when the internet had first come out and who did get tech, you know, and they just didn't act quick enough to get, to get Yale.com into a decent place. So I saw a, a, a company fall apart around us and, and we had to make, I think, 1600 redundancies pretty much overnight. Yeah and we went from a, a resourcing team of 20 down to 3 in phases and in the end I, I kind of put my hand up for redundancy and that was that really but but you know we we transformed the way that Yale did recruitment and uh, it was a really really interesting time and it was it was all about you know recruiting on values and behaviors and motivations you know we threw through the CV out the window and 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 changed you know the, these the mindsets of all of these sales directors that that were very stuck in their ways and and taught them a whole new way of of recruiting and and w- w- which kind of went into how we develop people as well so it was it was an incredible period of time just just very unfortunate what happened to the business it it was mm. a great while it was while it was the yellow pages you know that we all knew and loved at the time
0: yeah
1: so so that was that, and then I think I had my daughter around that that point. Unfortunately, split up with her dad. We bought a pub.
0: <laughs> um,
1: okay. Yeah, and we we moved from I'd, I'd already moved back to London by then, and we, and 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 the pub was down the road from my mum's pub. Weirdly, she'd retired by then, but it was a beautiful pub by the canal, uh, which was an experience. And we set that up, and that was great. But it kind of split us up in the end which is another story for another time but we will regale that
0: one over a a drink when we're allowed to meet
1: yeah definitely but you know that was an experience I had continued my career in recruitment but anyway so Yale came to an end and then I did some contracts so I worked I worked at Harrods that that was an interesting time Uh, and did some some great projects with their management development program and recruitment and training all of the harrods managers to to interview and that kind of thing and then i worked for a technology company so i have worked for a technology company before (laughs) (laughs) but on a on a contract they used to provide the technology to schools and colleges so i did that for a year but but didn't i i didn't like it that much because it was a lot of red tape their culture was was very much kind of public sector No offence to public sector, but it just wasn't my bag. I like to make decisions and I was making decisions and and being pulled into the HRD's office about why I was making decisions, (laughs) which was fine, but wasn't my bag. Um, So so that was a good experience uh, or interesting experience. And then I was headhunted to work for Pizza Express. And so I thought, wow, what a what a great, it was for, for their head of recruitment, I thought what a great combination of my, you know, recruitment experience that I'd had over the past however many years, 10 years or whatever, and back into hospitality. And so I went to work for Pizza Express and, and what a fantastic bunch of people. It was almost the culture of the ships again. It was like coming home. Right. And... I I did some great stuff with, with Pizza Express, we won awards, I, di- I did all of their kind of employer branding and EVP, introduced the world of recruitment technology, which hospitality had never seen before. It was a real opportunity to, to kind of fly the flag for recruitment and make some changes in the hospitality industry that that, that clearly needed changing. And so I used to go out to events and talk about what I'd done, and you know, I, I had the I remember the HRD from Whitbread coming up to me and saying, "We want to do exactly what you've done in Pizza Express." Wow. Um, yeah, so it was, it was really good, and and the the experience I got from Yale when we were profiling and recruiting on, you know, values, behaviors, and motivations, and 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 throwing the CV out the window we we did all of that with the pizza express managers which i think they still have in place now actually
0: right yeah
1: which were quite
0: standing the test of time
1: yeah yeah but it but it was very it was a very different thing what 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 i've learned in my career what i love to do is change mindsets and and instigate change and and i think i've always tended to to go full pelt, you know, like a, a bull in a china shop. And what I've learned is to, you know, especially in my time at Pizza Express, because I, th- I think managers were like, "Who who is this? Who is this woman?" <laughs> <laughs> Make us do. So it was. I, I learned a lot in you know gaining buy in and influencing and bringing people on board with me, so that so that they could understand what what we were trying to achieve. And we went through a whole rebrand with, with Pizza Express and it was a fantastic time. And then I was approached to to go and work for Jamie Oliver and they offered me loads more money and everything else and 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 then Pizza Express did and and promoted me. And it was a real kind of I really remember that period of time of what do I do? I really don't know what to do. Jamie Oliver was doing great things, and it was in the early days opening restaurants. But I loved everyone I worked with at Pizza Express, and you know, having a fantastic time there. So it was, it was yeah. a, a hard decision, but I ended up going to Jamie's, and that was an interesting time.
0: <laughs> yeah. Just fully into it again, like a Bill and Shiner shop, I guess.
1: Pretty much, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was a very different, a very different culture, very different. It was, it was very, it was. Uh, Pizza Breast was very creative and open and innovative, and and I I still think they fly that flag now. Whereas Jamie Oliver was, it was a very kitchen-led business with some real hard-nut chefs at the helm. Ja- I mean, Jamie was involved. I'm, I met him quite a few times. That he didn't really get involved in the running of the business. That that it, it was it was quite a harsh culture. I would describe it as
0: right. Actually, going back to your point on Pizza Express, I have kind of over the years seen them continually reinvent themselves. Yeah, it's quite difficult when your core product is pizza. Yeah, you know, there's only so many toppings you can do with a pizza, right? Yeah. But um, so how do how do you do that? It's, I, I take my hat off to them for kind of you know, standing the test of time.
1: Absolutely. And I think once you're confident about that pizza, you almost become a national treasure of a pizza. You know, it was quite a simplistic business, I guess. Yeah. But but did, you know, we did it was very innovative and creative as well in, in, in what they did. And they did seem to they were very aware of, of the changing markets and, and kind of did what they could to to keep up with it. And then other pizza brands, you know, came in and and kind of went head to head with them. So, but, you know, it was a lovely place to work and a great culture. And there's still people, Zoe Bowley very much flies the flag for Pizza Express. I think she joined Pizza Express a month after me. And, you know, she's now the the MD and still still very passionate about the business. Whether it was the right decision at the time to to leave, I don't know. But I, I don't really have any regrets in my life. So everything, yeah. for me, is a learning and and has brought me to the point, you know, where I am now. Absolutely. And and did some great stuff in in Jamie in, in Jamie's. But the the carrot for me in the end was that um, I was told that once once I set up recruitment for Jamie Oliver then we could, let's build, you know, in, in the interviews, they were like, let's build a agency, like an agency within the, Jamie had so many brands. He had a talent agency, he had wood-fired ovens, he had various restaurants and crazy times, actually. I think we, we opened five restaurants in one month, <sighs> big restaurants. These, these were proper brigades, back-of-house brigades and big front-of-house teams and, and huge restaurants. It was, it was, it was, certainly uh, trying times, challenging times, but a fantastic experience. But anyway, they they'd said let's let's, you know, set up the recruitment department and build an agency. And if, if you set up this recruitment technology that you've set up for with Pizza Express, then you can come and win awards with us like you did with Pizza Express and and then set up an agency and, and all of these candidates coming through the system, we can we can farm out to other businesses and charge. I was like okay great an agency within you know within within Jamie Oliver it was it was kind of the thing that Jamie did he he liked to create mini businesses within his his empire yeah and when it came to it Jamie Oliver Limited split from the restaurant group and my boss said right I want you to stay in the restaurant group we're going to do another barbacoa. We're going to do the trattoria. We're going to do Jamie's diner, et cetera, et cetera. We, we don't really have the investment for a recruitment business. Not that it would have taken much investment, but I, I just think he'd he lost the appetite for it. So he said, "Do you know, do what you want. Stay with us or, or go and do it on your own. And and actually, I'd, because I'd done the business plan, it had been signed off. I've got the team revved up for it and everything else. And I thought, well, I've got the taste for this. I'm going to go and do it on my own. So that's what I did.
0: Yeah. And why not?
1: Yeah. And so I started a little business in my dining room.
0: All oh, the best businesses are started there.
1: Absolutely. And
0: uh, I say that because that's pretty much where mine was started as well. So
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I landed little as a client. Right? And started doing mini assessments for them. As, as an outsourcer, and then within a year, I was pretty much their RPO. So we were running all their graduate programs, their apprenticeship programs. We were recruiting for supply chain, logistics, buying property. They didn't even know, I don't know whether I'm supposed to say this, but they didn't know what an assessment center was. And, and within a year, we were doing assessment centers everywhere, all over the country. Uh, and i had had to I had to grow quite quickly, you know my my team grew, and we yeah we were filling their their massive distribution centers we were filling them with like three hundred and fifty staff every every time they open one and so the, the business just grew ridiculously yeah. um did some consultancy with McDonald's, designed their career site, I was working with retailers, you know kept my hand in hospitality, and then I had a business partner that we ended up, cut a long story short, not having the same vision. And the business was pretty much ripped away from my, under my feet before I knew it. And I won't talk too much about it, but.
0: No, no, that's fine.
1: Another big learning and and quite a traumatic period of time in a business that I'd grown, you know, from my, my dining room with my bare hands. (laughs) Um, Yeah. For I think four and a half, five years, five years. I seem to have this five-year <laughs> stick. Five-year itch. <laughs> yeah, it's actually been a theme, hasn't it? Right from cruise
0: Yeah. Well, I've um, I've just gone through the five years of of running a business, and if I was going to get an itch, the the current world situation has certainly distanced that itch from me. Yeah. It's uh, it's like a, I suppose it's just like a a, a new. This sounds really wrong, but it's a new and interesting thing to kind of deal with. And and how do you regenerate vision? How do you, you know, what's it going to look like on the other side and all of these sorts of things. And that's actually, uh, strangely, maybe I'm a little bit sadistic, has re-engaged me with the business, something chronic.
1: Right. Interesting.
0: Yeah. So, well, we'll see what happens on the other side.
1: Yeah. And I think, I think you know this and and let's let's not dwell on COVID too much but I think this whole period of time is going to open up you know the most quirky opportunities for people and it is as you say quite sadistically exciting in a way and I know, I know that we yeah. have a lot of a lot of casualties unfortunately and, and not all businesses are going to survive but I, I think those people that that keep a positive mindset You know, and there are lots of them, and do spot the opportunities. Will survive, yeah. And and fingers crossed. You know, we've been doing some great things, and whilst we've lost a lot of business, uh, I I hope that that Harry comes out the other side. You know, and I'm sure we're we're going to look quite different anyway. (laughs) So so, so yes,
0: we digress. Yeah, but I'm I'm uh, I'm very very good at that. So um, I apologize for taking you down that route.
1: So, yeah, so then, so that, that unfortunately, and, and that was a big learning for me, quite a traumatic time. It actually triggered me into depression, which I'd never really felt. Oh, and it being mental health awareness week next week, you know, it's, it's, it's quite, quite close to my heart. And I got into meditation and I started going to India on retreats, did yoga, and, and it really, really helped me actually and opened up, you know, I'm not massively spiritual, but but I still go on these retreats in India. And if anything, it's just time out to reconnect with yourself. And I absolutely yep. love it. And the lady that runs these retreats, she spends six months in India and six months in the UK. She's had a bit of an eat, pray, love story herself, is absolutely you know she's she's incredible and whilst going through that time of depression you know it it turned out that I was kind of probably grieving what I'd built and the business and and everything and yeah and and I I actually ended up getting the the tablets you know from the from the pharmacy ready to take and and she said to me don't she said come come and see me and we did some meditation and she did some work with me and and i ended up not taking the tablets and coming out of depression quite quite swiftly actually but for weeks, right. and, weeks and weeks i didn't realize what was happening to me you know it's it it yeah it, it really does creep up on you
0: i can relate to that actually a couple of years ago we got told that we would struggle to have kids naturally i didn't realize it at the time but it really kind of took the rug from under my feet Mm. because I'd built up this idea of what legacy was going to look like and and all of that sort of thing and it wasn't until my my business partner sat me down for a breakfast one day and just said mate what's wrong and I said there's nothing wrong and he went no there, there clearly is and that way we just kind of laid it all out on the table then and I went and saw a lady who who helped me get through it. A lot better at kind of dealing with this sort of stuff now. And legacy is uh, well, I suppose podcast is part of the legacy piece for me now. And yeah, just trying to figure out where your if family is not for you, then then what is your legacy? Yeah, yeah. I've also I've hit meditation. I hit meditation actually before I hit that period, and it's massively useful, certainly from the way that my brain works to turn off the tap of noise. Yeah, my brain gives me a a load of ideas every day and then it, it goes off and explores them in its own little way and sometimes that's a really noisy space to live in yeah the meditation really helps keep that in check
1: yeah yeah And, and any, you know, that word meditation, I think is, is uh, quite scary for people. They, they, they don't, you know, I think people that that aren't really aware of what meditation is kind of think, oh, it's that, you know, that weird thing that they do in, in Asia (laughs) And, and, and be spiritual and everything else. But actually it's all meditation is, is, is a, is a form of relaxation that, that does exactly what you've just described. It, it just... It just calms the mind and helps you reconnect, and and it's it's so utterly healthy, you know. I, and and I certainly would never preach to people to do it, but if you know, if people do have the time to go and explore it, once you understand it is only relaxation, and and you, you then see the benefits of it, I think it's uh, I think it's amazing. It's fantastic. Yeah. Certainly. Certainly helped me, and and I hope you know next week, Mental Health Awareness Week has has come at a very, a very pertinent time with with what's going on in the world, and and then and I know that the word meditation and everything else has been you probably said more than it usually is, but but it really really does help.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. So so yeah. So so I'm and I'm glad I discovered that, and I still will use meditation in my in my life now and I did briefly set up another business with another business partner and that was purely hospitality and to cut a long story short my business partner had a bigger kind of recruitment business and decided to consolidate everything which is isn't what I initially bought into so so then I joined Harry just happened to have a chat with Pete and Pete said come over and and join us we we want to kind of organize events and we need someone to do some some people stuff <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh and so here I am now and uh so yeah that's that's my career
0: <laughs> nice one so well i mean you've had you've worked in um lots of different types of businesses i i suppose yeah. in well in hospitality and and you've also done the the external the piece as well in terms of being able to see I suppose a lot more stuff going on that's just on your doorstep. Yeah. What piece of advice would you, you give to somebody who was contemplating a career in hospitality? Uh
1: so an, an interesting one because I I'm an ambassador for Springboard and I do that because I'm I'm really passionate about getting the message across to school kids, you know. And the last presentation I did with the school, I, you know, I talk about America and I talk about cruise ships and and then I talk about my recruitment career and how it kind of came full circle back into hospitality, et cetera, and talk about all of the different areas of hospitality that you can work and that it's a career. And interestingly, afterwards, the, the teachers all came up to me and they said, oh, my goodness, we never thought that hospitality you know, you could build a career in hospitality and, and it's like, oh dear. Yeah. If the teachers are thinking this, you know, just after that little talk I've given, then we're in, you know, the, the, the industry's in trouble. Um, a problem, yeah. You, but, but everyone says that they fall into hospitality and, and actually if that's the way that people are going to do it, then great. But I, I would say coming into it, open your eyes to, to what the industry can offer because it isn't, you know, just about if I if I go back to my wait, waitressing days in a TGI kind of type restaurant, Tex-Mex at the time and, and loved it, absolutely loved it. But, you know, and I think that's that's what parents and teachers kind of immediately go to. You're going to be a waiter and, and not that there's, and, you know, it's, it's a, a fantastic job and you meet loads of people it, you build lots of people skills and and all sorts and all sorts of skills actually yeah but you know i'd i'd say just kind of open your eyes to what this industry can offer you and where you see opportunities mm-hmm. grab them because you know it, my career didn't just happen to me it, it i went out and saw what you know and and also, one thing I do say to the kids is figure out what you love and what you're passionate about, because you're going to be doing that for most of your life. <laughs> and if you don't like it, it's not going to be very pleasant. So, yeah. So that's that's something I really get across to the kids when when I do my talks in the schools. So yeah, that that's that's the advice really. Make sure it's something you love and that you're passionate about. I I loved food, <laughs> I love people, and I love travelling, and adventure, and the industry has given me all of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What a wonderful way to to sum it up. Actually, that one line is just is perfect. Yeah. And at the end of the day, who doesn't? love food travel adventure at least one of those things I I would imagine that uh, the majority of the population are are into that even if they don't know it yet
1: yeah yeah although we're quite restricted right now on on most of those things yeah Yeah.
0: (laughs) travel I travel to my um my kitchen fridge frequently throughout the day yeah me too Great. Okay. If, um, if people want to, to reach out to you and just chew the fat and figure out a little bit more of what you do and, and those sorts of things, how can they do that?
1: So I'm on LinkedIn. I'm quite active on LinkedIn. Louise Gallant on LinkedIn, working for Harry. I guess they could reach out to me on LinkedIn. I've got a Twitter account, which is at raw talent, R-O-A-R talent, which was the name of my first business. Raw talent. Right. So <laughs> oh, at Raw Talent on Twitter. And if they wanted to catch up with me on my work email, I'm Louise at Harry.com, H A R R I. So, um, splendid. Yes. Well, there's
0: actually, there was one thing actually on your Twitter page that I love that you, you seem to like lemon curd.
1: <laughs> it was that was funny because it, it was when I first ever set up Twitter and I didn't have a clue about it did not have a clue and uh and uh, yeah i've just remembered those days and so i was on it constantly and and to really get the best out of twitter it, it you have to put a lot into it you know you you know this from 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 what you're doing and um i had uh i'd met all of these i thought right they're a they're a bit of an influencer in the recruitment industry they're an influencer so I was I was following all these people and interacting with them all and had this great time on Twitter and um and I remember once just a side story I remember once going to a recruitment event and uh, and, and I'd, on Twitter we'd, we'd all said oh we're going to this event and that and and whatnot, and and one of the ladies, she, I, I invited her to talk at the Harry X event. Katrina Collier, she was she was the first speaker at the Harry X event, and she was one of these these guru influences that I'd kind of was following on Twitter, and she was part of this group, and there was quite a few of them, and uh, and we went to this went to this recruitment event, and they said, oh, we're, we're going to meet for drinks. Or so she had said, she said, we're all meeting for drinks. And so I'd met all of these people in this bar and got drunk with them. And I'd, I'd only really ever known them for a few months talking to them on Twitter. It was really bizarre, really bizarre. Right. I, you know, knew their faces from their Twitter accounts, but yep. them and then found myself <laughs> getting drunk with them at a recruitment event. But anyway, so one of these people had, had said something I'd, I'd said, I think I'd posted a picture of I was addicted to lemon curd yogurts and was trying out all the different retailers ones and I don't know, giving them scores. something stupid. And someone said, are you a lemon curd nerd? And, and that's where it came from.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a story behind everything.
1: <laughs> Absolutely.
0: <laughs> Brilliant. Well, I um, I think we'll wrap it up there. Okay. It's been uh, it's been a pleasure to chat. I feel like we probably could have chatted for quite some time. We've got some more um, stories. Yeah, absolutely. But thanks very much for for giving us your time to do this. Oh, it's
1: been brilliant. It's been great to talk to you, Phil. Thank you. Thanks for having. Me.
0: You're very welcome. Take care.
1: Okay. Bye bye.
0: Bye bye. And there we have it. A fantastic journey mapped out by Louise, involving lots of examples of stepping into the unknown and giving it your best shot a hugely positive trait to have. Don't forget, we're launching an episode each night this week, so hit that subscribe button and give us a like and a share where you can. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow.